Welcome back to our series on spiritual gifts. Specifically, right now, we're teaching on the gift of tongues. We've talked about this the last two weeks. This is our third lesson on tongues. If you've not watched the other lessons, I would encourage you to go to our YouTube channel. You can find them there. But in our first two lessons, we studied Acts chapter 2. And we saw from the scriptures in Acts chapter 2 um, that what takes place in many churches today as it relates to tongue speaking is not scriptural. It doesn't match what took place in the Bible in Acts chapter 2. We learned that on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 that a prophecy was fulfilled that God's people would speak in other tongues or new tongues. We saw three separate miracles that were done on that day. We saw that every man who heard the disciples speak heard in their own language or their own tongue. We also learned that tongues, the word tongues means languages, and that other tongues are when people speak in a language other than their own native language. In other words, we learned that me being an English speaker, if I were to speak in Chi, that's a other tongue to me. It's a different language than my first language. And we also learned that a new tongue is when someone is given the ability to speak a different language, fresh, by the power of the God's Spirit. And that's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2. That is not what happens in the tongue-speaking churches of today. They do not speak in languages that people can understand. They are not speaking in intelligible, intelligent languages that can be understood. They are speaking blah, 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 and no one understands what's going on. That is not biblical. Now, today I want us to look at Acts chapter 2 again, and I want us to focus on the emphasis, or what I would call the results of Acts chapter 2. What happened that day that was so important that people needed to speak in other tongues? What reason was it on the day of Pentecost that God needed to give His disciples a miraculous ability to speak in tongues. Let's look in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse number 13. And we're going to see here, or I should say that, let me kind of just explain what's going on here. The Bible says the disciples had been in the upper room, they were praying. The Spirit of God came upon them. They began to witness, to preach the wonderful works of God in other languages. People heard them. The word got out that these men from Galilee were speaking in all these other tongues, and a multitude of people came together. And I think you could understand that if, if you heard that some foreigners were down the street from your house and they were all speaking African languages, 
you would probably be interested in going to see what's going on. That's exactly what was happening. And the Bible says here in verse number 13, or I should say, let's read verse 12 to begin with. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? So these people that were hearing this miracle, they were like, what is all this? Man, this is, this is, this is amazing. But verse 13, it says, Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. Now, to mock means to make fun of or to scorn. And not everybody was understanding what was going on. Not everybody was for what was going on. Some people were mocking. In verse number 14, it says, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunk, drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Now, Take note, Peter rises up, he gets the attention of the mockers, and he identifies them as men of Judea, men of Jerusalem. These men would have been Hebrews. They would have spoken the same language of the 11 disciples. Now, I can't prove it from the scriptures because it doesn't specifically say. But I think it is reasonable to conclude that perhaps these men of Jerusalem did not understand what was going on because the disciples were speaking in other languages. They were not speaking Hebrew. And these men of Jerusalem who probably only speak, spoke Hebrew, when they heard these men speaking in these other languages accused them of being drunk because they didn't understand what they were saying. And Peter said to them, wait a minute, wait a minute, these men aren't drunk as you think they're drunk. It's only the third hour of the day. Now the Jewish day began, the daytime hours began at six in the morning. Now the, 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 the day began at six in the evening. But the daytime, when the, when the light, the, the time of day when there's light outside, began at 6 in the morning. So when they said the third hour of the day, they were talking about 9 o'clock in the morning. These, he says, these men aren't drunk. It's only, three, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. And Peter stood up and he began to explain to these men from Jerusalem what was happening. And he said in verse number 16, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he begins to preach to them. And from verses uh, 17 all the way down to verse number 36, we see Peter preaching a sermon. Now, we don't have time today to read all these verses. I would encourage you to take time to read them later. But I will just read a few verses for you and just uh, 
emphasize the basic message Peter was preaching that day. Verse 22, it says this, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken. You arrested him. You took him. And by wicked hands have crucified and slain. He says, look, ye men of Israel. Notice here he's talking to those Hebrews from Israel, from Jerusalem, from Judea. He says, Jesus was crucified among you. You arrested Jesus and you crucified him. You slayed him. Verse 24. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. He said, look, you crucified Jesus Christ, and I'm telling you that that same Jesus rose from the dead. And he goes on to explain, you can read it later, that he was the Christ. Now the Christ means the anointed word, the anointed one. It is the Hebrew word Messiah, the one who was to come. Jesus Christ, he is preaching to the Jews who fully believed that a Messiah would come, but had rejected that Jesus was that Messiah, he said to them, that Jesus that you slew on an old rugged tree, that you crucified, that you spat on, that you mocked, he was the Messiah. This Jesus whom you took, whom you crucified, who you slayed, who you mocked. This Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. He was the one that came in the form of a little baby, born of a virgin, and died on the cross and rose from the dead. And He is our Savior. And as these men of Jerusalem listened to the Spirit-filled preaching of Peter that day, they too were convicted of their sin. And they said, what shall we do? They realized that they had crucified the Messiah. And they wanted to know how do we escape this tragic thing we have done. Is there any hope for us? And so what I'm trying to emphasize to you today in our third message on tongues is what I'm trying to show you is that when we see the first use of tongues in the Bible, in Acts chapter 2, the purpose is clear. And the purpose is to help get out the gospel, to help get out the truth that Jesus it's the Messiah, the Christ, the one who died on the cross and rose from the dead so that men could be saved. And when these men heard this message, these men of Jerusalem, they said, what shall we do? And Peter said, you need to think differently. You need to quit rejecting Christ and you need to receive Him by faith. And as we look here at what happened 
in chapter 2, we see that the Bible says in verse number 40, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. We see here on the day of Pentecost, many people believed on Jesus Christ. They trusted Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. They had rejected Him, but now they had believed on Him. And the Bible tells us here that in verse number 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. Verse 46, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. What I want you to see here is that the results from the day of Pentecost, and what happened that day, is that men were convicted of their sin. They were convicted of the fact that they had rejected Jesus Christ. And they had changed their thinking. And they had believed on Christ. And the Bible says about 3,000 people were saved. And the Bible says that they had continued. They didn't stop there. They continued in the faith. They continued in the teaching of the apostles. This was very much the, the first great movement of the early church, the first getting out in mass the preaching of the gospel here by the disciples as Jesus had left them to go into heaven and as He had told them that they would do greater works than He had done. Those works were now starting to be done. Why did God pour out His power upon the disciples? Why did He endue them with power? Why did He fill them with His Spirit? Why did He give them this ability to speak in the languages of the people that had been gathered together? He gave them that power so that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be heard and understood and believed. God was not trying to lift up His disciples. He was not exalting them. He was not saying, look at my disciples. They are powerful. They have the ability to speak in tongues. No, he was lifting up himself through them. He empowered them to lift himself up. The Bible says if Jesus would be lifted up, he will draw all men unto him. My job is not to lift up myself. My job is not to lift up my church, to lift up my people. My job is to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. And if we, be, if we lift up him, we will be lifted up. And God will bless us. But we're not here to promote what we can do, this is my spiritual gift. This is the power God gave me. No, we are here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
That's the purpose of spiritual gifts. That's the purpose of tongues in Acts chapter 2. In many churches, much emphasis is placed upon the miracle of tongues, but very little attention is placed upon the preaching of the gospel. I have been in the ministry since 1993. That's 28 years. I have been actively going door to door, not, not sitting in a, a, a church office only, not behind a pulpit only, but for 28 years I've been knocking on doors, I'm going out there where the people are and talking to people one-on-one. And I have rarely ever met a person who believes in speaking in tongues who also believes that salvation is by Jesus Christ alone. And that is because most of these churches who speak in tongues are not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they're preaching that you get to heaven by serving God or by working for God. And that's a lie. And what I say to you today is, why would God give His power to men who don't represent Him? Why would God give His power to men who lie about the gospel? Why would God give His power to people who don't preach salvation by grace through faith? He wouldn't. God gives His power to those who lift up Christ. God gives His power to those who lift up the gospel that Jesus saves. That salvation is by faith without the deeds of the law. Romans chapter 3, verse 28. That salvation is by the faith of Christ and not the works of the law. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. That's whom God empowers, not those who are lying about salvation. You go to a church that doesn't preach the gospel that salvation is by faith and not by works, you're going to the wrong church. If you're going to a church that speaks in languages and you can't understand what's being said, you're going to the wrong church. And typically those two things go together. In Acts chapter 2, where God gives us this first example of people speaking in tongues, the results are clear. Unsaved people got saved, they got baptized, and they continued in the faith. Many of these churches today who talk about tongue speaking, you visit their churches, people aren't being baptized, people aren't being saved. Instead, they bring the message that you got to serve God, and you got to work for God, and you got to be good to go to heaven. This is not the Bible message, this is a lie of Satan. From what we have seen so far from Acts chapter 2, it's clear. God gave His power so that the gospel message would go out. The emphasis of Acts chapter 2 should not be upon the miracle that happened, but the emphasis should be placed on the message that was preached and what happened 
as a result of that message. When I think of Acts chapter 2, my mind doesn't first go to God-given power to men to preach in other tongues. My first thought is 3,000 people got saved and baptized. And the church was launched into worldwide evangelism. And as we continue to read in chapters 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 and 7 and 8, many more thousands of people began to be saved. Because these disciples were lifting up Christ through the power of God, preaching the gospel that Jesus alone saves. The Bible says in Titus 3, 5, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ alone to save you, I would encourage you today, put your faith in Christ. Stop trusting in your church. Stop trusting in your bishop, your apostle, your preacher, your pastor. He can't save you. Your church can't save you. Jesus is the only one that can save you. And stop going to places where they blah, 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 and you have no idea what's being said. That is not scriptural. It's not biblical. And you need not Go to those places and think that you're missing out on something because you can't speak in these blah, 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 so-called languages. Folks, that is a lie of the devil. It's not biblical. It's not scriptural. And if you think it is, I challenge you to try to come and show me from the Bible where God ever, where God's people ever speak in this kind of nonsensical languages. It doesn't happen. We'll continue this lesson next week and we'll show you from other places in the Bible that God, when He speaks of speaking in tongues, is not supporting what is taking place in many of these so-called tongue-speaking churches today. Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Hour where we're people of the book and where God's Word is uplifted. Thank you so much. God bless you.